What's up, everybody? I'm Josh So Focused. I'm French the Bro Host, and we would like to welcome you to the Knicks Take Podcast. The Knicks Take Podcast. This is episode 42, and this is a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing Knicks news of the week. If you want to find us on our socials, you could check us out first on Twitter at the Knicks Take. Then go to YouTube and search Nick's Take Videos. And if you rather follow on Instagram, you'll be able to find us at the Nick's Take. And last, you can check us out on Facebook at Nick's Take Media. <sighs> French, my brother, how are you doing this week, sir? It's been a real rest, resting week. Uh, I should have put my phone on mute, but we're going to just ignore that. <laughs> uh, I've been chilling. I've been working. Uh, ain't nothing really much to update. Well, what about you? How, how, how your week was? Uh, this week, I finally went back to work light duty. So after almost three months of being out of work, now I'm finally back. Uh, right now, I'm kind of feeling a little bit like crap because I went out for two nights in a row. That was a mistake. <laughs> I'm not as young as I used to be. But uh, otherwise, I'm all right. It's, you know, things are things. Are things. So, all right. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really go out like like how I never did. I, I probably went out when I was like a teenager, but yeah, I wasn't much of the going out type. That was more up your alley. But anyway, outside of that, we did have a few games this week to talk about. There was some 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 wins, some losses that we're gonna cover. But last week on that on our, on the last episode, we covered winning three straight before winning. I mean, before losing a very winnable game against the Grizzlies. Yeah, so there were some things that after, you know, every week we are like, why did we talk about this during the episode? And I even hinted at one of these topics. Well, actually, the only topic that I wanted to mention, the highlight of my week, Mitchell Robinson. I, I, He's my favorite Nick to really listen to in the post game like i want i'm hoping they interview him after the post game especially when berman is there because way him and berman be going back and forth is um, is hilarious but i i wanted i wanted to kind of highlight mitchell robinson's response to them finally getting that win over the clippers to which he uh yeah, responded with lose. this yeah nobody don't want to lose losing is boring and it's whack we don't want to lose and the Knicks definitely were playing and are playing like they don't want to lose. So I kind of I, I referenced it, but we never actually played the clip. We never talked about the, about that quote, even though I kind of was like, yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Mitch was one of the guys who doesn't want to lose, who, who doesn't like losing. Yeah, Mitch is obviously a long way. Remember how sure. shy he used to be when he got drafted and he couldn't do no interviews because he would just answer one word questions. <laughs> <laughs> he was so shy. And now you look at him in the post game. He's the most entertaining Nick by, by far. To but you, but, post games. 
But if you follow Mitch, like even though he was like that in interviews, he had he had his own stuff like on Instagram or not Instagram on Twitter or or on YouTube or wherever it is. He has the the videos where he's interviewing other Knicks and he's making jokes and he's playing and Mitch's block party and all yeah, this yeah, stuff. So you knew you knew that he's you knew he was a charismatic dude. It's just probably that's how they the brought media it up aspect. Yeah, yeah, that's media, how they, that's how they got him comfortable with the with the media. I feel like that's what, mm-hmm. what broke him out of his shell. Because you see Jericho Sims, he's a rookie now, and you see how shy he is. Right. I'm, I, I'm curious to see if they're going to get him out of his shell because he's another – that's the one player that Derrick Rose connected to most because they just both so quiet and shy. So we're going to see him break out soon probably, being around Mitch so much. <laughs> well, did you hear that story with Jericho Sims? After he got a dunk, I don't even remember what team it was against. Somebody somebody was saying in an interview, like, yeah, Jericho was like, yeah. He told my teammate, ask him in about, about how, how high I could jump and all that stuff. And they're like, what's he talking about? And then they played the clip. You seen that? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. I got to. I got to find. I'm going I'm to see if I can put it on the podcast next week, if I can find it. But Jericho, Jericho, he ain't no, he, he could talk his ish <laughs> out on the court, you know. He's probably not going to get to Mitch, but yeah, apparently Jericho be talking trash. But anyway, (laughs) got it. I can't even picture it. (laughs) All right, so let me let 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 me go right into the Knicks' first game this week. Uh, Knicks lost a nail biter to the Brooklyn Nets. No Kyrie Irving, no Ben Simmons, but KD, as you said, French last week was. Just enough for the Nets to get the victory. Knicks started the game like they learned absolutely nothing from the loss against the Grizzlies. Started off selfish play, no defense, no pace. Meanwhile, KD got off to a hot start, was knocking down shots, was acting like he was in the, in the park, acting like he was knocking down practice jumpers. Eventually, the Knicks remembered that defense and passing the ball is the only way that they've actually been able to win games recently. And were able to turn a double-digit deficit deficit into a lead. Now, RJ and Julius both were able to turn some of the early possessions where they they started off the game like going. Yeah, all right, let me not pass the ball to anybody and shoot a, a step back jumper. All right, my turn. Let me let me shoot a step back. Like it was like the first three plays of the game. Meanwhile. The Nets were like passing the ball, doing all kinds of plays, not getting easy shots off of rhythm and all that stuff. And the Knicks just came out like they learned absolutely nothing. So they, RJ and Julius were able to turn those early possessions into afterthoughts. Randall kept knocking down big time jumpers. Barrett feasted driving into the paint, especially towards the end of the game. Now, Brooklyn held a five point lead in the fourth quarter, but the Knicks clamped down on two straight possessions defensively with Jericho Sims helping out double teaming on KD and trying to get the Nets to force somebody else to beat the Knicks. They tied it up after a Fournier three and an RJ Barrett drive to the basket. And then they would take a lead on the next possession on another RJ Barrett drive. Now KD and Drummond were able to regain the lead on key possessions. Durant with a quick trigger after RJ lost him for a second. Drummond, scored on a poorly communicated defensive rotation around the rim. I, I believe Julius Randle was definitely the closest Nick to him. 
I think he was thinking that Jericho Sims was going to was going to pick up Drummond when Jericho Sims was out on the perimeter at the time. Knicks had opportunities to take the victory or at least push the game into overtime. First first one, they were down one point. Tibbs draws a play with his final timeout. Saw Alec Burks inbound to Evan Fournier in the corner. Nets defended it perfectly, sent two guys at Fournier. Fournier tried to pass it to Mitch, but the pass was easily deflected, easily and stolen with less than 10 seconds remaining. After that, I'm like, this is probably over. They're going to, unless the Nets miss one of these free throws, it's probably over. And of course, who's the guy who they end up having to foul to shoot the free throws, but Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant gets to the line. Puts the Nets up three after knocking down both free throws. Knicks still are only down three at this point. Knicks bring the ball up. RJ brings the ball up with six seconds remaining, and he fails to pull up for three. Instead, he tries to attempt to pass from inside the three-point arc where he's fouled. Goes to the line. Obviously, he's got to make the first one, miss the second one, so the Knicks can have a chance to rebound, maybe do a putback, tie it up at three again. And, of course... When RJ tries to miss, what does he do? He makes the free throw. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So that was the third way in which they could have either tied it. They could have tied it with Alec Burks trying – Alec, excuse me, not Alec Burks. Fournier trying to pass it to Mitch. If he would have got it to Mitch and Mitch would have dunked it, that would have got them the lead. If RJ would have tried to pull up, do a pull-up three instead of doing whatever the hell he was doing, that would have tied the game. If he would have missed the second free throw and they would have gotten the rebound and scored, would have tied the game. But none of that happens. The Nets get the ball back, go shoot free throws. Basically, the game's over at this point. And, yeah. Now, not, not really much to say about this one. Knicks really had a chance to win. They could have won, but low mm-hmm. IQ possessions at the end of that game Durant. just... And Durant. And Durant. But no, they honestly though, they the way they ended the game before those la- that last little pos- those last possessions, they really could have they really could have won because I thought that their defensive possessions on KD and, and trying to make the Nets other than KD win the game, I thought that was a brilliant strategy. It's just that the execution on those on those last those last couple of plays. Just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it for him. Yeah, KD didn't it was, really. It was the last couple of plays. KD had fifty. Well, yes, but <laughs> yes, despite the fact that he had, what do you mean? He, but he got his fifty before we took that last lead. Remember, we had a lead within the last minute of the game. So while I hear what you're saying, that just made it a close game. It wasn't a blowout, right? The Knicks I'm were up is, one. Without KD, this is a blowout. This is without KD, we blow them out, probably. Yeah, this, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it, Maybe. It's a blowout, but I'm, remember what I, like, all I could think about watching this game was what I said last episode when I did the predictions. I'm like, if we lost to them with Cam Thomas and LaMarcus Aldridge as their best players, with KD, we're not winning this game. And the whole game, I'm just watching, like, damn, I really kind of regret saying that because you see how hard we playing. They they feel like they got chemistry now, but I, I Fournier that, making steals. You will never. But I told I said all defense, this defense, and still 
that's me being emotional though. Yeah. Saying all that. Logically, I knew I was correct because when I'm watching the game, it's like I'm every shot that Katie goes up with, you're surprised if it misses, even if you if you're playing the best defense. And that was just like it just made this game tough to watch for me. I I wasn't shocked to see us lose, but it was still very very hard to watch, especially at the end watching KD go for fifty at the end to win the game. That Nets team is very beatable when they're home or they're in the Garden. This is now two straight games against Brooklyn that the Knicks should have won. Right? You said, oh, we couldn't beat them. No, no, we could have beat them when they played in the Garden, that game that we both attended. <laughs> we could we could have won. We should have won. And How many games? Like, when's the last time we have beat the Nets? It's always a bunch of we should have won. Every single game for, like, the last two years. I, I feel like a couple of those were more so kind of bad, wrong place, wrong time type deals. Referee screwed us. That that game where we were up, how much we were up? We were up by damn near 30, right? I don't know what game that is. The one that we went to. We were up. We were up by at least twenty points. Mm-hmm. We should not have lost that game. Like that. I that I was. I don't know why. We we, we I saw it coming. We snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Like, like we shouldn't have lost that game. And seeing how they've been playing recently against much better teams, whether we win, lost, whatever, I knew that that we wouldn't lose that way again, even with KD. On the court, Kate. Now, Katie's top three, four, whatever, top two players in the in the league right now. Top one. <laughs> so, yeah, that like, should I be surprised that that they that they lost this game? No, but at the same time, you you see what's behind him. There's not. It's not that that that's not that good of a team without Kyrie, without Ben Simmons. Like, let let me just finish off some of my other final thoughts before I before I bring it up because I'm about to give Sims a lot of flowers. First of all, they started and finished this game with low IQ basketball, which was the point I was trying to make. Them first the possessions to open up the game that that got them down to double digits. The way they started this game, I was like, oh no, we losing this game for sure. I don't know if you remember feeling like that, French, but I to just watching the Nets just pass, 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 open jumper, boom. They did that like five times to open the game. And then when the Knicks get the ball, they slowly walk the ball up, give the ball to Randall. He does his little dribble move, step back, jump three. Like, when has this worked for you? This is why you lost that last Nets game. And then to see R.J. Barrett do the same thing in, them, in the first quarter, it was just, like, ridiculous. Luckily, they they figured it out. But the start of that game, you know, you you started the game on a, what, 9-2 to two run, a 9-2 to two deficit, and then eventually you went down by 10 digits. If you, if you just eliminate that first part of the game, maybe we're talking about a victory instead of a loss, right? And maybe we're talking about the Nets coming back to try to catch up to us as opposed to us coming from behind in that last minute. So that's one. And then two, you cannot 
you cannot just blow execution the way that you did with the turnover from Evan Fournier, with RJ Barrett not realizing that you need three in order to win and just allowing them to foul you from inside of the arc. And he didn't even try to shoot it. He tried to pass it to to Randall probably, I think, you know, from what I recall. Like, you, you there's seconds left in the game. You're down three. Either evade the defender and put up a three or pass it a lot sooner before they foul you. These are things that you can't do. I I understand. I'm a little bit more forgiving about the miss the the free throw that wasn't a miss because you you don't practice how to miss a free throw. So I get it. But you know the, that's how you lose the game at the end. You had a chance to to beat KD, who scored fifty in his own house, and you just your your execution was just piss poor all around. Mitchell Robinson. Sticks hmm? though. I said the house is built of sticks though. <laughs> Facts. I, I thought though. I thought Mitch handled the, the whole Drummond issue better in this game than he did the first time, the last time I should say. It wasn't great. Still only finished with seven points and five rebounds in twenty two minutes. But he had four blocks, matches four fouls. <clears throat> he didn't foul out. He didn't get to five. And he didn't get to five because we had a much better option at the five in Jericho Sims. Sims proved to be the best option at center down the stretch. Tibbs trusted him in the end, threw him out there for big minutes in the fourth quarter. And it seemed that our best defensive strategy against the Nets came in that fourth quarter when Jericho Sims was out there trying, leaving his man, leaving Aldridge to go and double KD and then running back to the paint to try and get the rebound. Like, do I think Mitch is capable of doing that? Yes. But I, like, as he said, his conditioning is still not at 100%. He's, his conditioning is still not where he wants it to be. Jericho Sims' conditioning is at peak, at its peak right now. So Jericho Sims was key. Key. If we had won, it, he would have been the one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, why we would have won. Because he was able to leave the paint, go all the way to half court to double KD, run all the way back and grab a rebound like that. The Nets couldn't score outside of a couple of, of possessions because of that of that defensive strategy. So shout out to Tibbs for that and shout out to Sims. That's exactly what I was about to say. Because that's something that I see a lot of people misreading and people saying, oh, this is something this guy's been sitting on the bench all year. You telling me he could have been doing that all year and he's just now playing? No, I'm, I'm the way I'm seeing it is that's coaching. Mm-hmm. He wasn't yeah, a lot doing of that in the beginning of the year. We've seen all. him in the beginning of the year. It ain't like we saw him. He did that back in September and October, and we're confused why he like no he 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 got out there. He got his feet wet. It was in sporadic minutes and playing time, but. He looked like he wasn't ready for that that role, and that's right. why Taj was playing. But it's not like he sat on the end of the bench not doing nothing for the whole year. The coaching staff was working with him the whole year. Right. The vet's been working with him the whole year. That's how he got to that point now. That's why he's playing now because he's the best option now that he picked up all that knowledge from sitting all this time. Mm-hmm. And now he's just going to get better now with playing time and seeing what he can do and what he can't do. Developing habits while playing out there with 
consistent playing time. Like that's gonna come now. Right. Guys are gonna stay in the NBA for a while after you draft him. It's not one year every make it or break it. Like we're gonna see him for years to come. We don't gotta rush it. That's all coaching. It seems to me like a lot of people are in the rushing mentality as opposed to let's bring these guys along at their pace. Bring them along at their pace and let them get better at their own pace instead of trying to get an immediate, get our immediate satisfaction in terms of he's good or he's bad. So let me just give my last bit of flowers to Jericho Sims. He was a plus 20 and the plus minus as opposed to Mitch's team worst minus 17. So that just goes to show just how clutch and how key he was down the stretch. Also, I want to give my flowers to Evan Fournier, who played very well despite that turnover at the end. He knocked down five threes, had five assists, and had a steal. It's kind of hard to complain. Yeah, we we all have our complaints about his defense, but it's hard to complain when he's shooting over 60% from the field and from behind the arc in a game. Like, that, no, that's not, you don't, yeah. It, not many he people doing up. that. He wakes up <laughs> that he wake up for. <laughs> it's not but let me say something though he's been one of our top three players since the all-star break like he has he has maybe two duds maybe three but outside of that he's been kind of our most reliable shooter our most reliable offensive player for a lot of these games that you know he just needs to clean up those sloppy defensive possessions where he's just looking rather than being engaged but it seems like he did focus on that in this week so we're going to talk about that later right quickly shot terrible but contributed everywhere else seven rebounds four assists and a steal rj dropped another 24 piece but shot poorly taking 21 shots to score those 24 points julius had a very efficient 26 on 53 percent from the field and 42.9 percent from Three Knicks lost that game, one oh seven, one ten. Yeah, and after that game, there was a, a report that came out from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report saying that Thibodeau is expected to remain the Knicks head coach beyond the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two season. Knicks Governor James Dolan had granted the front office permission to either remove Tom Thibodeau or retain him, sources said. But team president Leon Rose has no plan to make any change on the Knicks bench, sources said. What's your thoughts on that? I've been kind of beaten on the, I don't see why we need to fire Tom Thibodeau. I've been I've been being on that drum for a little while now. Everybody is like, yeah, we should expect for him to fire in the offseason. He's probably going to get fired. He's definitely going to get fired. Like, I've seen all kinds of takes that I'm like, where are you guys getting your information from? It's like, I have lights on. <laughs> and it, and it, and some of this is even from guys that I like I listen to every week, but like the the constant call for his job, like it's just I get where it comes from, but it, it's it, it was it was a little much for me. It was starting to piss me off actually because you can like I said, there's plenty of reasons, plenty of things to complain about with Tibbs. He has not coached superbly or even I wouldn't even say good 
this season, even in that Nets game. Like I gave him his kudos, but I, I meant to say like there was a little stretch there where he had Taj out, and it's like why you got Taj playing when Jericho Sims has been beasting this entire time, and he figured it out eventually. He should have never put t- Taj in there, but the the fact that he did it in the first place is just kind of is kind of ridiculous to me. So again, he has not by any stretch of the imagination coached good this year he's coached very poorly but i just like with julius randall like if julius Randle, i said if julius randall plays poorly that's fine as long as you try hard and you want to win and you try to win uh, you're not going to lose my favor it doesn't seem that a lot of these same people who say that same thing about julius randall feel that way about tibbs probably because they already had the bad taste in their mouth from before with his coaching job at the Bulls and then the Timberwolves. So when he came here and he had the good first season, they were just waiting for this to happen. But he's not a bad coach. He is not a bad coach. So he's had bad moments. Like he's had bad stretches. Is, like bro, <laughs> every co- every coach has bad stretches. No coach is going to be perfect. I don't feel like you should fire a coach because of a stretch in the season that when you look at the team today, you don't even really, the team doesn't resemble that team back then at all. Right. And that's a result of them having faith in Tom Thibodeau. That's that's them having trust in Tom Thibodeau to keep trusting his system, to keep playing within his system. Like it's not, you don't build a championship level team overnight. Like I know LeBron did it, multiple times so it makes it look like that should be the standard but realistically when you look at teams to before this era that's not how it went no teams were just getting one player surrounding him with a bunch of free agents and becoming a playoff powerhouse that's not how it goes you have to get young players who are talented if you wanted the teams from the bottom like how we, we we literally came from the bottom we have to work our way to the top we have to go through stretches where it's tough. We have to get through all the periods where it's like you feel like you're – what's the word I'm thinking of? You just feel like you're in the same state. Like you're going to get out of that when you trust your team to have continuity, to develop some chemistry, to have so, some type of team – goal that everyone sees and everyone's connected on that doesn't develop overnight Miami's the Miami Heat franchise the way that they have a culture the way that those players have been down there for years only a certain type of player would even become on the a player on the roster because you have to go through certain check marks to even be considered you get what I'm saying hmm to develop a culture like that, it takes time. You've got to have continuity and you have to have a coach who does not budge from what he believes. No matter what the outside media is saying, no matter what fans are saying, you got to follow what you know because you're the head coach. And that's what I feel like Tibbs has done more than any other coach we've had in the last 10 years. Maybe Probably outside of Mike Woodson. <sighs> 
I keep thinking about Mike Woodson in regards to this whole thing. Because I'm like, y'all, like, I said it before. Y'all don't learn. <laughs> y'all don't learn. Get your, you don't, he don't have to, you don't have to have coach of the year, which Thibodeau won last year, coach of the year, but you don't have to have the coach of the year like every season. You don't. Like, are we, are we, is our culture being diminished because Thibodeau is there? A lot of people will say yes, right? Why? No clue. Because all I see is a bunch of young guys out there who came in this regime and every year they are improving or every game they're improving or whatever, no matter what. Anybody who came when they first got here, nobody's regressed. Nobody's regressed as far as the young kids. And the only people who have regressed are guys who were here before this regime came in. Right? Randall, he shot up last year under this regime. He started to regress. But even still, how he's playing now is better than how he was before this regime. RJ Barrett. If he plays like this next season, all-star. Mitchell Robinson never played this well before in his in his life. Emmanuel he quickly. He still has so much room to get better because yeah. of the fact, like, the, his camp, we're gonna, I'm going to speak on it later, his camp feels like his teammates does not give him the ball enough in spots where he's wide open or has a little guy on him. And I've been seeing yeah. that all season. Yeah. And that's like, if you think about how much points we're leaving on the board from not giving him the ball in those situations, he could be averaging at least 16 points probably. I think Mitch could average 20 with how many, like how many mismatches he has that we just completely miss. How many lobs he can get that we completely miss. Like, He's scoring when he scores in double digits, like almost 75 to 80 percent of that is off him just grabbing getting rebounds. Off rebounds, yep. Offensive rebounds going right back up, getting a foul. And, That's and how he listen, gets all his points for the most part. And Mitch doesn't have an offensive game. So like it's understandable. But that doesn't mean that you can you you that gives you the right to just completely miss that low hanging fruit. That's low hanging fruit. Mitch is, has a lane to the rim. We've seen him take the ball from the three-point line, do a Euro step, and dunk the ball. So if he could do that, you could probably just pass him the ball when he has the open lane so he can dunk it. I understand he don't got a dribble game, he don't got a post game, but you're leaving points on the table for your team and for Mitch. The only, the only other thing I want to say about this is until we have that guy, right? The guy that we hoped Julius Randle could be this year, right? A, a guy like the guy that we played in, in the game that we just spoke on in the Brooklyn Nets, like a Kevin Durant, right? A guy that no matter where, <laughs> home, away, all-star game, NBA playoffs, NBA finals, what's everybody got to say? <laughs> that boy's good. <laughs> 
right? That 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 we don't have that guy. So what are we what are we fighting over the coach for? When we get that guy, that's yeah, okay, cool. You can fire Tom Thibodeau because it's a coach who can get us to the finals with that guy. And I don't think Tibbs is that guy because we have all these complaints about him. But for this team right now, right this minute, right this second. I got to see it first. Of course. We all have to see it. But wait till we get that guy. Let Tibbs fall on his face with that guy. And then switch. Right? Don't do it now. Because then who are you going? Who are you putting there? Right? Who are you putting in, play, in his place? And why are we putting him in, in that place when... Like, all of these guys are playing well. You guys are all hypothetically, like, you're creating scenarios about guys losing confidence. None of these guys look like they have no confidence. None of these guys look like they've lost confidence. You guys wanted to say Emmanuel quickly lost confidence because Tibbs isn't playing him when he's been averaging 20 minutes this entire season. Like, and he and he plays more when he plays well. Quickly ain't lose no confidence. He hit a slump. And guess what? Now he's playing better than he ever has. I don't see anybody giving Tibbs that, <laughs> giving Tibbs the credit for that, because maybe that the way he's coached him now he's played now quickly he's playing the best game, the best ball of his life. Nobody's giving Tibbs that credit. All you want to say is, oh well, Tibbs should have played him more. It, it's just I, I can't, I can't with, with, with people. Let, let let Tibbs breathe, let him live. When we are in a position to have that team that should be making it to the finals, if he's keeping us from getting there. That's when you get the new coach. Not right now when we have such a young team and we want to have these guys have a goal to make themselves better. That, that's what we're doing right now. That's why Tibbs is there. Yes, it's annoying that our favorite young guys ain't playing, but it is what it is, and it's not, it's not without its merit. Sorry for my little diatribe there. It had to be said. I don't see anyone else saying this, so. But from that point, we could just jump into the next game where the Knicks pretty much dominated the Anthony Simons-less Portland Trailblazers. And um, Simons, as we saw last game, has become their best player without Damien since they traded away C.J. McCollum and all their uh, veteran players that they surrounded them two players with. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the only recognizable players that we saw in Portland were Chris Dunn, Winslow, and Josh Hart. Outside of that, that they were pretty much a G League team. I did see one player on the team that I like, Brandon Williams, I think his name is. But outside of that, they didn't really have much. The Knicks played a complete game against this young team, held the game close throughout the entire first half with mostly just good defense and up-tempo off- offensive play. And that later led to the Knicks just dominating the entire second half. Jay Barrett played 40 minutes, finished with 31 points, five assists, four rebounds, continued with the aggressiveness that we've been seeing since pretty much the all-star break. Obi's been dunking all over that, that, that entire game. It seemed like every five possessions he was leaking out in transition, getting a, a wide open dunk, finished the game with 13 points quickly was slightly the most impressive Nick for me this game, because his efficiency was just out of this world. This was easily his most efficient game in his career. He was moving tactical every possession. He made very to little mistakes the whole night. Went seven for eight from the free throw line. Finished the night with 18 points on five 
shot attempts. 18 points on sh- five shot attempts. Mm-hmm. Went a perfect three for three from three. Also has six assists, one steal, and five rebounds. Julius didn't shoot the ball great, but he went 10 for 12 from the free throw line, which is an improvement. Led the Knicks with a plus 24. Finished the night with 29 rebounds and seven re- uh, seven assists, one steal and a block. He went 0 for 5 from 3, but he got out enough help from his teammates where we got an easy victory over the Portland Trailblazers. We won this game by, what, 20 points? The final score was 128 to 98, so 30. Smooth 30. And, yeah, it was a smooth 30. It was a, a nice calm win. Kept everyone's nerves down in the second half. We had we we had the clear advantage talent wise, so there was no huge takeaways from this game. It was more than a must win. It was a you better you better <laughs> win, and we did. Did you have any takeaways from this one? One takeaway I had is something that we I want to kind of get into later, but it's basically about Emmanuel quickly. He is calmly and confidently being our best point guard option right now after the all-star break. And it's not really close. I got more I want to say about that, but I'm going to save it for later. And the other thing that I wanted to kind of just bring up was RJ Barrett. Two things for RJ. That was probably the cleanest 31 point game that he could possibly have because it's like dang he got 30 points how do you do that right like if you watch the box score it's like oh he, he's about to he's gonna score 30 he might even go for 40 tonight and i i thought he was gonna go for 40 but if you weren't stat watching you you might have been surprised that he got to 31 the other thing after the game, RJ Barrett was asked about Tom Thibodeau remaining coach after the season, to which he responded. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't see why not. You know, he's a great coach. He's a great coach. We all we all love him. We all play hard for him. You know, so uh, you know, we believe in him. Uh also, like you said, I've gotten a lot better uh while playing for him and just the staff as a whole. So you know, I wouldn't see why not. That is from our young star player in R.J. Barrett, soon to be all-star, hopefully. And he's saying a lot of stuff that a lot of you guys in other podcasts and a lot of you guys on Twitter are saying the exact opposite. (laughs) A lot of you guys are like... trade R.J. now because he want to keep Tibbs? Like, what now? What? What? A lot of you guys are out there talking about he's lost the team. And I'm like, what are you basing this off of? Like, I, I get it. When you lose as many games as the Knicks has lost and you've blown as many leads, double-digit leads, 20-point leads as much as the game as the Knicks have lost, I yeah, I, I can see why you would think that. But there's no, if you're actually watching the game and you see how these guys – interact with Tibbs and all that stuff. Even when Tibbs is cursing them the hell out and yelling at them throughout the game and he's looking, it sounded like he's going to lose his voice, which by the way, I'm surprised as hell he has not lost his voice yet. But you watch this, you watch this team. You would, you could tell, you can tell on the court and you can tell in, in, on the bench and in the locker room 
if that coach has lost this team. This yeah. coach has not lost this team just yet. Maybe next year. Maybe it'll get tiring, but he ain't lose them yet. One thing I wanted to say about the Portland game, down the stretch when we were up 30 in the fourth quarter, I stopped listening to Mike and Clyde as as, as much as I loved them, and I'm literally just only listening to Tibbs shout <laughs> on the sideline at wow. Jericho Sims' orders on defense down the clutch when we up 30 with like three minutes left it's like bro we we won the game and this is like that's that's another reason why i just love Thibodeau as our coach because it's like he does not care how much time is left in the game he wants every single possession to go exactly the way he wants it to go or you gonna sit down gotta respect that gotta respect that. i i love it there will come a time where i might call for tips job as a coach but it's not going to be because of him being a bad coach it's going to be because it's time i i don't i i love the fact that we have a coach that don't give a damn if you're up 30 or down 30 his approach to the game is the same way and his his approach to details and, and, and and his approach to just playing winning basketball and the importance that he places on winning basketball right how many times last season did we say? With the, you've seen the you've seen the, the 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 memes with one side you got David Fisdale smiling while we with, when we were down thirty to, to to the Bucks, and then the other side you got Tibbs looking angry while we're up thirty. <laughs> if you don't appreciate that, say. if you don't appreciate that, I yeah, we're we're never as, gonna uh, we're never gonna agree, right? I appreciate someone... the hell out of that. <laughs> As someone who desperately wanted Fisdale to be the answer to all our prayers, as someone who watched every possession and tried to give the benefit of the doubt to Fisdale as long as I possibly could, it's really good to have Thibodeau as our coach now. I got to say, I love Tibbs. So let me, let me move right on to the Washington Wizards game. With 13 games remaining and two teams to leap over to have any shot at getting into the play-ins, Nick started this game against Washington with the offensive intensity that you would hope. Fournier, who is, we haven't talked about it yet, inching ever closer to the Knicks' three-point record, which is currently held by John Starks, came out like he was trying to break that record <laughs> in one game. He, I don't remember how much he's he's down by. I know they did talk about it in the last game, but he's going to break it. He's going to break that record easily. And it's surprising that that record is still, still there after all. J.R. Smith down. didn't do it. Like we, we've had guys. We had guys. <laughs> so surprising, but Fournier is going to do it for sure. Wizards led by, Chris Dapsworzingis and Kyle Kuzma kept it close, and eventually the Knicks' offense sputtered their early lead away. Mitch dominated his matchup. Right, KP is not—he he ain't physical like that. He ain't get—he ain't—he got boards in this game, but he usually is not that rebound getter. Right, Mitchell scored 15 and grabbed 12, with 10 of those rebounds being on the offensive end. Washington spent most of the first half in the lead but the Knicks were able to take the lead in the first half after holding the Wizards to only two points in the last five minutes at defense. Knicks expanded that lead into double digits in the third and fourth quarter. 
after an R.J. Barrett three-pointer, which was his only three of the night, the Knicks went up 15 with four minutes remaining. And at that point, I'm like, all right, whew, four minutes remaining. We up 15. I think we're good. We can relax, right? Yeah, right. So a late run by the Wizards turned this one into a close game. Kyle Kuzma knocked down three straight three-pointers. Each splashed threes, I'm like, he's not making that. I'm like, he, he's not making that. He, Kyle Kuzma could, Kyle Kuzma could do it. And I know that. I'm just like, yo, he's been held in check all game. He's not gonna come in the fourth quarter and just bring this game to within. Wait, they within one? Yes, within one point. He got the ball again. Yep, That's one point with 40 seconds remaining, and he took that. He took a three, and I was like, Jesus Christ, please don't let it go in, and did it. But thankfully, still for still 40 seconds remaining. One point lead. Knicks fans everywhere started having that feeling. We've been here before. Been here before. Right? Have that feeling in their gut. Another blown double-digit lead. Seen this story a million times in 2022. But defense held up. R.J. Barrett calmly sank two free throws, which is amazing to say after all all the free throws that R.J. Barrett has missed. This season. And then follows that two made free throws with. No, that was uh, an alley-oop to you. What do you follow it up with? <laughs> Clutch with the defense to stop the, <laughs> to stop the, the oh, three okay. from Casey Yeah, but I, I I wasn't, I, like, I, I really, I, unless it was Kuzma shooting, I wasn't worried. But that was clutch defense. Yeah. That was clutch defense. His feet didn't even, he didn't even touch the rim. Like, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, as long as he didn't, as long as it wasn't a wide open three, I didn't think that the Wizards had a chance of winning this one, or of, excuse me, not even winning it, of sending this to overtime. I thought that the Knicks played this one really good. Couldn't make the Wizards couldn't make the last shot. The Knicks win one hundred to ninety seven. Both R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle had an equally efficient night offensively. Eighteen points on six for twenty two shooting. Put up more shots than points. Julius filled up the rebounding stats with a team-high 17 rebounds. RJ, on the other hand, was a more efficient player from the free-throw line, knocking down five out of his six. Julius was five out of eight from the free-throw line. Not sure what Tibbs was thinking by subbing Mitchell Robinson out at the end. Like, I didn't really talk about it, but Washington felt the same way. Washington said, all right, let's let's hack their worst worst free-throw shooter in Mitchell Robinson. Send him to the line. He only went to the line one time before Tibbs was like, "All right, let's get this guy out of here." Like, show your show your players some some. <laughs> have some faith in your guy who just sank two free throws. Like, and, and those are the... like that pissed him off too. Like he he knocked them both down and was talking crazy to Washington. Like, yeah, do it again. Like he, I I'm, I I'm confident with Mitch shooting free throws when he's mad and confident like how he was right then. And on top of the fact that he's normally dominating the game, and he was dominating this game. So the fact that they went to hack him, it was more than just, oh, he's a bad free throw shooter. It's like they really wanted him out the game. And it's not a coincidence that they made they, the comeback and brought the lead down to yeah, one yeah. when he said they, they can't. Yeah, they made that com- comeback with Mitch out. And I, yeah, it, that, that was an in game adjustment that I just really, I, whoo. I don't understand why he did it. Like, 
and it, it nearly bit him in the ass. They could they that would have been a loss that was on Tibbs just for that, just for that. Mm-hmm. Like, let Mitch miss one before you pull him out, right? Now, hopefully, maybe his thinking is, yeah, because I can't trust you, that's why I pulled you out. So make your free throws more, and I'll leave you in. Maybe that'll make Mitch better. That that's I can definitely that, see that being Tibbs' line of thinking. That's that's the glass half full, right? I understand that you're mad, but you know what? You haven't been taking your free throws seriously, so take them seriously, and I'll leave you in. Or the glass half empty probably sank his confidence when it came to the free throw line. Hopefully, that's not the case. But his confidence been was oh, sunken. <laughs> well, no, I don't think that I, wasn't I don't the straw that broke the camel's back. I, Nah, sometimes Mitch goes to the free throw line and, and he throws the ball up like he don't care. He's saying those two, like he, like, no, I'm making these. He, like, the form was good. Like, I, yeah, that shoot like that all the time, Mitch. He doesn't shoot consistently the same way from the free throw line. If he could shoot the way he shot those two free throws all the time, his free, his free throw percentage would be much better. Yeah, Otherwise, though, I thought I thought this was a more boring game than what I initially thought it was going to be. That's like, another I, thing that also would bring Mitch scoring to 20 points per game is if he knocks down his free throw. Absolutely. And gets the ball every time he's open with a mismatch. You got any thoughts on this uh, on this game, French? It was a disheartening win, if that even exists, because you just hate to see those late comeback wins. But teams are going to come back. And if your shot isn't falling, the best thing that you could hope for is to receive defense at the end to stop them from taking the lead to win the game and knocking down your free throws. So thanks RJ for that. That's the only takeaway from this game that I really had, but it was a good win. Well, not a good win, but I'm glad to have got the win. All right. So I already started talking about this earlier. I'm going to come back to Emmanuel quickly for my topic of the week. My question is, what is it going to take for Emmanuel quickly to start at point guard. Why am I asking this question? Well, quickly stats since the all-star break, 14 and a half points per game on 46% shooting 40.9% from three on four threes a game shooting 47% in the month of March, 47% with a, with a high three point shot diet, right? 44% from three, 44% from three in March. Which goes His to show on kind of 2K is a 77 overall. That, that, that should piss him off alone. <laughs> start making more because he know, like, you know, we all know IQ is a great shooter, but if yeah. you're looking at just what he's done in the NBA, you would not see it. You would see he has a, a, a phenomenal free throw percentage for his career, but he hasn't been consistent enough to be labeled as an elite shooter yet. But he's well on his way if he's going to continue to shoot like this consistently. They probably lowered it after he had that little slump. But, yeah, 77 is not – that that boy can hit from damn near half court and, and make it look clean. So, yeah, he's – and that's why I kind of wanted to push back on you with, when you were calling Quentin Grimes the best three-point shooter on this team. Honestly, oh, he is. between he Quentin is. Grimes, between Quentin Grimes quickly and Fournier – like they're all they're all different. Like 
you nah, they all have different different they they all Rhymes, nah, they, when he shoots it you think like he his his shooting motion looks like a gun going off <laughs> and you're surprised if it doesn't go straight through the net without touching the rim like his shot form and the way that his shot like his consistency just like how fast he gets it up like grimes he's gonna be a a, a dog shooter in the nba when he gets his feet wet and he starts getting comfortable and start getting more more rotation plays ran for him he's gonna be nasty i can't wait to see what he. i think i think they all have a case i think they all have a case I, nobody's shooting from as far as quickly as out of out of the three of them, right? Fournier is our big big time clutch three point shooter. Like if you need that if you need that shot to go off quick, you passing it to Fournier, and he and he's probably making it. And Grimes, as you said, his his shot is just so automatic. You always think it's going to go in, so. I, I, all three of these guys have a case, and I, I would love to see Evan Fournier on this team next year, coming off the bench. Right? I, I, if his defense is not going to be up to par, well, we didn't. Let's. I, I don't want to sidetrack. I was about to sidetrack crazy. Well, I'm gonna wait, but I remind me that we we need to talk about his defense because we brought it up, but we didn't really talk about it. His defense. Yeah, we did. His defense this week has been has been on point. But speaking of defense, okay. you're supposed to be reminding me. We're not talking about it now. <laughs> Quick, speaking of defense, quickly is usually our best perimeter defender, right? He's averaging 4.1 assists and 5.7 rebounds in the month of March. Like, what what more does this man have to do? On the other end, guy who is starting at point guard, we got Alec Burks. So I checked it out before the podcast today. Quickly is outscoring Burks in six less minutes, averaging six less minutes, and he's scoring 14 and a half points to Alec Burks's 11.2. He's only averaging one less rebound a game in those minutes, 5.3 to 6.6. Steals and assists are pretty much identical in, in the minutes that they're both playing. Burks' production appears to be suffering as a result of him playing out of position and in the starting lineup. His numbers as a starter this year are worse than his numbers off the bench. I There was a case before for Burks being our starting point guard, and it made sense. But now, I don't think that we can make that case. I think that our best minutes are with Emmanuel Quickly at point guard, and I think Tibbs feels the same way as well. Manuel quickly and Alec Burks's minutes in the last three games have been very close. Burks in Portland, Burks played 27 minutes, quickly played 25. Burks scored 10 points in that game, quickly scored 18 points. In the game against Washington, I believe quickly played more minutes. 27 minutes to Alec Burks's. So they played the same, 27 each. Alec Burks was a minus three in the plus minus. Manuel Quickly was a plus seven. Like, even when Manuel Quickly is not shooting well, he's still giving you your best production at the point guard spot. So so my question is, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for Coach Tom Thibodeau to start Manuel Quickly? 
But I don't like the reason why I don't pay much attention to who's starting and who finishes is because when you look back at the minutes distribution, whenever IQ is playing well, he's most likely going to finish the game. And like what this year has told me really is that the first half, yeah, it's important. But what's the most important is what happens in the second half of every game. If you get off to great starts in the first half, that means absolutely nothing when that third quarter starts because teams go on runs and your lead could disappear in half of a quarter. Everything mm-hmm. that you did in the first half is gone in half of a quarter. So they could be gone in four in four minutes. If if we got our best players coming off the bench and then finishing the game for us after they already hot, I, I'm not mad at that because I know that if IQ starts now, he's going against starter level defenders rather than the guys who are coming off the bench. And we might not see the same production that we see from IQ right now, but if we keep him at the role that he is right now, instead of harming his confidence and harming his production, potentially fine with just keeping things the way that it is and having him just close the games out. And it seems like that's what we are getting. So it's, it, it it's like if we do start IQ, now we have to just hope for the best off the bench that Burks is going to go back to being that productive level scorer or just keep it the way that it is and just close the game out with whoever's playing the best. I just feel like... you don't like have a, a secondary option after this. I, I just feel like... There's a potential solution to some of the complaints that we've had about this team when it comes to slow starts, when it comes to coming out at the half, when it comes to poor execution. And granted, some of those, some of the poor execution has come while Emmanuel quickly was on the court. But I think giving him more minutes, treating him as a starting point guard. We haven't really gone into depth about it, but his playmaking has improved tremendously this month. He he is making some fantastic p- passes. You, if you're on Twitter and you following anybody, you you have 100% seen people show the type of passes that quickly is making now that you even Three months ago, you couldn't, you didn't think he could do that, do those things. Bounce passes in the paint in a half court setting, transition outlet passes to Julius Randle. Like he's been, he's been getting to it. Yep. He's, he, yeah. And on a team that struggles offensively the way that the Knicks do, on a team that has trouble running their offense the way that the Knicks do, why limit? Why limit quickly to just being the point guard with the bench unit? Why not give your starters a little bit of that too? Why do, why not help them out by having basically your only real point guard option? Why limit that till after they've already played for 10 minutes and you only get to play with him maybe in the fourth quarter and a couple minutes in the first and a couple minutes in the third? If that, why why not give yourself the best chance to win by just starting him? Not not saying like he needs to be our starting point guard of the future, but 
We don't have Kemba Walker didn't work out. Derrick Rose is out. Alec Burks is not a point guard. And Alec Burks is no maybe you could have said before he was your best one, but he's not even your best one right now. He quickly needs to get more minutes. We I would like to see Quickly play 30 minutes. He's outplaying Burks. We he's the reason why he's not playing as many at this point. Now now you have to start saying, well, the reason why he's not playing so much is because he doesn't start. Because when he plays well, he gets more minutes. But Burks gets off GP because he is viewed as the best option. He off GP, he's getting more than 25 minutes a game. You you gotta you gotta bring quickly out there to give him the opportunity to 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 play more and, and to help this team win. That 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 is at this point, right? Before I would be like, listen, it's fine. Yeah, Burks ain't a point guard, but he has been our best player at, at that position. Now I can't even argue it's it. Like no you more. struggling. Yeah, I can't argue it. It's not a, it's not an argument anymore. And if you're really trying to win games, I really think quickly is your best option, and you need to play him thirty plus minutes. I so. agree, <laughs> but not not immediately. Let's develop him to that point. Next year, I think he has earned the starting level, the, the, the starting position, and we just have to worry about who the backup is going to be, if not Deuce. I don't think he's going to um, get the starting position next year. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. I really think that I I really think that his role is backup point guard. That that that's what I really believe. I do think his role is backup point guard, and he will be a good backup point guard. But I do think that this team is looking for a point guard who is at the very least middle of the league best starting point guard in the league right they don't want to bring in a guy they don't want to start somebody who you know can play point guard at point guard they want to have somebody who is clearly you know clearly a point guard clearly a guy who can run the team they want to bring in a Malcolm Brogdon they want to bring in a Jalen Brunson right they want to bring in somebody of that caliber and as much as I love quickly, he's not on their level yet. And I don't know if he ever will be as a playmaker, but that it is what it is. I want him on this team. I think he's going to be a great, he's going to be a great piece to this team. I think that he should never play less than 20 minutes in a game. That's how good he is. But starting point guard. Nah, I, I don't. I don't think I don't think he he is that, and unless the unless the front office just completely says you know what we're gonna just do a quick rebuild we're gonna get rid of all the vets and we're just gonna run the kids for a year to see what we got, I don't think he's going to start next season. Next season, and we'd have to see how much he develops by the start of next season. I'm assuming that he's gonna make drastic improvement by the start of next season he you think he's gonna play in summer league i hope he does because he didn't play the first year summer league i want i definitely want to see him in summer league and it, it was clear last year that he was heading above head and shoulders above the talent that was in summer league but i think it has to be like 
completely verified, stamped, get summer league MVP, win this at the Knicks championship. Like that's what I want to see from from quickly, and then I want to see if he could start, or I want to see a decision made from Tibbs. Like oh he he's too good to be in summer. Like he's 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 established himself enough to not have to go to summer league. I want one or the other. Personally, I hear you. I hear you on that. Speaking of Tibbs, I will. I kind of was gonna make this lead this whole thing with make it quickly a starter into my Tibbs complaint section. I think I'm gonna save my Tibbs complaints for next episode instead, partially because I'm wiped out. <laughs> I'm wiped out from going out. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, so I don't. I've been get, I've been giving him a lot of you know a lot of play a lot of flowers a lot of cape right and even though I thought he's made some very good decisions in the games this week this quickly thing is starting to piss me off especially when he can when it, one of his claims is you earn you have to earn your minutes. You know, I'm not just going to give it to you. Nobody's earned their minutes in the past month more than Emmanuel quickly. Maybe he needs to see more. Maybe he needs to see more. Even when quickly wasn't shooting, he still brought everything else. Energy defense. There was a stretch when he wasn't, when he wasn't, but one stretch. Right. But yes, to to start the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared yeah, to yeah. Alec Burks's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Evan Fournier, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 earned it, right? He's been the most consistent player all year. At this at this point, there's no real reason why Emmanuel quickly isn't averaging 30 minutes a game for me. There was a point before where it's like, yeah, he's not playing well. He he hasn't earned it. Alec Burks has been. Mostly consistent. Like, outside of his drop-off when he came to the starters versus being in the bench, outside of that, like, it doesn't matter home games, road games. Like, he his numbers don't really fluctuate too much. They, they don't really change too much. The only differences that he has, really, is playing point guard, playing backup two or backup three. That's all. That's the only time when you can really see his numbers kind of fluctuate like that. So let's fix it. Let's fix it. I could argue about Quentin Grimes, but Quentin Grimes has kind of had a bad had had a bad go of it, right? He he had that amazing first start of his career and then caught COVID, came back, was playing great, and then he messes up his knee, like yeah. I, I was I was getting ready to beat on that. Let's start Quentin Grimes drum. I really was to over you know, but Evan Fournier was playing good too. So it was like all right, but we already know that drop off is coming soon. And Grimes now you're gonna have to explain why Grimes ain't starting over Fournier. They both gonna be here for the coming years contra- contractually. So I would it's love to be see. a decision eventually. I, I I just I just I know Evan Fournier makes mad money, but. I, I really believe his game is is made he's made to be sixth man of the year. Like like that's what yeah. that's that's kind of how this that's how this now that's we, how this team needs to treat him. To my side of the thinking. Let's let's start Grimes. Remember I had right. a whole section of the podcast for it. Right. Six I know I said I, let's and these are it. all 
these are all my tips complaints. This is kind of why I didn't because I want to be I wanted to be mad because like Tibbs, what are we like? What are you doing? Like, can't you just see what's going on on the court? Like, what are you doing? Start quickly. Start grind. Like that's kind of how I want it to be. But I I, I can't muster up that energy. But yeah. I, that th- those Not are yet. my points. Those are my Soon points. Enough. Like like Grimes is back now. Unfortunately, I think it's too late for Grimes to start. I think I think Fournier's got it locked up for the rest of the season. I would love to see him make the case for next year, though, Grimes. But quickly, quickly's been quickly's been doing it all year defensively outside of that one stretch. And the only thing that we had to worry about with quickly was the playmaking and where his shot went. That's all back now, right? He needs to be starting over Burks by the end of the year. That that's that that that's it, right? That's it. Jericho Sims needs to never like we only need to see Taj when both Mitch and Sims are in foul trouble. Tibbs, you need to do a little bit better when it comes to your out of timeout. Like we need some better play designs. I got a lot of complaints. No wicked. What's that? Fournier coming off the bench with D Rose, right? It's going to look, oh, God, that's going to be a top bench in the NBA. That uh, decision needs to come soon. Yeah. Oh, uh, the other thing I wanted to complain about, why we didn't see Deuce. Why Why we couldn't see Deuce this last game? Why? Because we ain't seen Deuce because Quentin Grimes is back? Come on now. So, I, I'm not really. Deuce, Deuce has to become a better scorer, though. He can't just bring all the energy and, and I'm right there impact with in the game. Like, I understand. Like, yeah, I love all that from Deuce, but you do have to bring some type of offensive production to get some minutes on a team that's struggling to close out games in the second half yep. because of offensive production. I, I 100% get that. But you cannot argue that when Deuce is on the court, this team plays better. And we're getting to – this is starting to be the – Frank Nilakina argument, right? Except Frank was a better scorer. I I don't know if I would say all that. Hey, I was gonna say Frank, he he would put up a donut occasionally, but Frank would get you buckets and 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 stre- like in what's the word I'm thinking of in bunches, right? He give you buckets and bunches, and then go maybe a, a game or two with nothing still provide the defensive impact and then have another game where he has 16 points, eight assists. He had a 20 point, 10 assist game. Like I understand deuces hasn't gotten as much opportunity as Frank, which is insane to even say or think about or comprehend because Frank never got any opportunity. But in the minutes that we have seen deuce, he hasn't really been much of a scorer outside of the G league. I'll push back a little bit. I will say Frank didn't get any opportunity to really show what he could do as a starting point guard or even a backup point guard. Yes, he had. He just didn't. He didn't get the opportunity to keep that role. He had opportunities. I think this is what we're both trying to say. Frank had Frank had opportunities, and because there were so many coaches and so many circumstances and so many guys that they brought in to be the first guy to be the first. And Frank always had that nagging groin shit. Like there's, there's lots of things. 
So I want to push back on that. I also want to push back on the whole Frank scoring in bunches. Because even though he did have that 2010 game and occasionally he might be able to score 16, that was a lot. That was fewer. and Like, that was the thing with Frank. It was like, you, know, you don't know what you're getting from him offensively. He might give you a donut. He might give you six. He might give you eight. Every once in a blue moon, he'll shock the hell out of you and drop double digits. What about Deuce? The thing with Deuce is that I don't think that he has a role offensively on this team. We know what we we we've talked about Deuce in G League, what he's doing in out there. Deuce is killing it. To do. Right? Deuce Deuce is the guy in G League. He's not the guy on this team. So to have him out there. He's got to figure out what his role is on in the offense, and then once he figures out what his role is on the offense, he'll he'll contribute. But that's what I'm it, looking forward to seeing. But he has to play in order in order to figure that out. And he's not he's not a point guard. He's not you know he's kind of like what quickly was last year. He's he we're not going to be trusting him to bring the ball up and all that stuff. We're giving him let him do that in spot opportunities so that he can kind of figure out his role. But it's a work in progress. So I want to see more deuce. Let, let, let's 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 see more deuce. Ten man rotation, Tibbs. Stop this nine man rotation BS. Especially when with guys not playing that have their plus minus is usually in the plus because they their just intensity on the court is they have they, they bring their will onto the court whenever every time they're on the court. All right, let's yeah, let's I want to see Obi and Deuce get minutes together. I I need to see Obi. I, I earlier I was saying everybody nobody's regressed. I I was going to say Obi is the only guy that came in this re, in this in this regime that has regressed. I forgot about Obi. Uh Obi's regressed. regressed. Yeah, he's regressed. But that's cuz he doesn't have Derrick Rose. His numbers with Derrick Rose because you went out the last few nights and you burnt out, I'm a, I'm not going to provide much pushback because I know you want to go lay down, but <laughs> I disagree. No, he's played he's played very well since he's been back. He's played very well. But in the season as a whole, he's regressed. Like, You remember he, Obi last year? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Obi last year was... You you felt like he was unplayable until late in the year. Yeah. No, and I've said that. I've said as much. I've said as much off off air. I've said as much about last like the stretch, the long stretch. We we talked about it on the pod. Where I was like, why is why is he playing? Like, let's get Kevin Knox out there. At least he can hit the three, right? And this season it kind of is the same thing. And when he was coming out, he wasn't really he wasn't really hitting the three point shot. This season, yeah, but he de- he definitely. I'm looking at his stats. Impact, even without stats, you definitely felt Obi's presence on the floor more so than not this entire season. Maybe a few games when he coming back from injury. Oh, I'm like, oh, Obi's out there. I didn't even realize. But most of the time, Obi's oh running around providing the energy. Like the beginning of the season, that's what we relied on because the starters didn't provide us anything. Obi, I queued him two off the bench was the lifeline of the season for every game up until what 
New Year's area. Like we relied on Obi and and IQ for a large part of the season, and then COVID happened. He came back from that. Had that Toronto game, if I'm not mistaken, where he had his career high 19 points. I just said I wasn't going to provide any argument. I was going to say that. It's my bad. I'm just saying. OB definitely had a better year this year than last year. I wouldn't say better. I I got his stats up. Last year, he played 62 games. So far this year, he's played 60. Right? So, similar sample size. His minutes per game inched up. He's got three minutes and 49, playing three, averaging three minutes and 49 seconds more this season. He had 11 minutes. He was averaging 11 minutes a game last year. He's averaging 14, 49 this season. He was averaging 4.1 points. Okay. Not great. Bump that up to 7.2. Okay. Field goal percentage, pretty much the same. 49.8, 50.9. point position percentage, 30.6 last year. Do you think that went up or down? Down. 23.1% from three this season. Free throw percentage, about the same, 73, 73.1, 73.9 this year. Rebounds, averaging one more rebound a game, 2.2 to 3.5. Assists, 0.5 to 0.9. Turnovers, 0.4 to 0.8. Steals, 0.3.3. Blocks, 0.2.4. His his numbers are not really... It's not a regression. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. He's averaging more minutes. So he's averaging more minutes. His three-point percentage is down. All of his other percentages are about the same. And he scored three more points. If you want to call it that. He's getting more minutes for a reason. It's not just because it's his second year. He got more minutes because he's playing better in those minutes. And you can have him out there in those minutes compared to last year when he wasn't doing a lot of the things that he was doing, that that he is doing now. For the majority... I, I think the the where we're split in our argument was that there was a long stretch of time last season where he played like trash. And then at the end of the season, he became the guy that we expect, that we expected to play this season, right? My thing is, in the playoffs and at the end of the season last year, he played at a level that is better than the for the majority of this year than what we've of what we've seen. That that is that is my argument. I want to see if I can kind of get the playoff splits. Yes, I nope, no playoff splits. I, I wanted to look at his playoff stats because I'm pretty sure if I look at his playoff stats from last year, they clearly eclipse what he's done this season. And that's why I say that it's a regression, not because of the season to season changes. My my expectation of Obi was how he played at the end of last year. Like that's the base though. that's the baseline. Say that again. That was five games though. You can't compare five it was more than games. five. That's it was more than five games. No, I am not just talking about the playoffs. At the end of the year, oh, too. Oh. At the end of the season, he was playing great. We had podcasts where we were like, yo, I'm sounding kind of silly, like asking for Kevin Knox to play. Like he's he's yeah. he's having an impact on the court, right? Like, he started playing like that. He's not playing like that right now. He's not playing like that this season. That's that's the regression I'm referring to. Not the not – the, that's where I think you're, you're conflating my argument to 
he played bad for 75% of the season last year, and he's playing much better than that this year. But he made a leap last year also that he is not seeing right now. So that's why I say regression. All right. I understand. Still Let's. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it next week and go back to yeah, our old OB. We'll, come back to we'll go back to the OB arguments just like we did last season. Um, and I, I, almost, I almost messed your day up even more because there was another topic that I was about to introduce, but I, I saved that for next week too. It came in the middle of recording. I'm like, oh, we never talked about that, but I, I got you next I'm, week. I'm kind of interested. I just wanted to hear your because we I don't think we we spoke about it. If we did, you could just end it right here. But um, what was your reaction to? I'm not sure if it's confirmed. I'm pretty sure it is, but let's just call it speculation right now. For Rokas saying that he wouldn't come over here unless he has a solidified role and he's going to be playing. He's not coming over here to just sit on the bench so he could just stay overseas. I don't. I don't think we did that out. I don't think we did. Spoke on that. Don't think we did. I don't think we did. And that's something that we can't ignore because I was looking forward to having him. Rokas. For those of you who are not following, I think we did say it on the pod. Um, That boy is good. Yeah. Uh, overseas yeah he's playing very good over there right i don't i don't know it's kind of hard like i i want to believe that that's going to translate when he comes back here so i've heard multiple different takes on it i've heard people say that means he's not coming back to the knicks unless he 100 percent has a role on this team. And if the Knicks go after a point guard in the offseason, he may not have a role on this team. I've also heard, like, no, that's not necessarily true. He just needs to be, like, he doesn't need to be technically part of the rotation. He just doesn't want to be sent to the G League. and then going. He doesn't want to deal with the Deuce McBride situation, which he might have to next season. Mm-hmm. I... Oh, it's a good problem to have, I feel like. It's it's a good problem to have because at the end of the day, he's still an asset, right? I still I think Deuce is an asset. I think Rokas is an asset, right? Deuce is killing in the G League. Rokas is killing overseas. I think you could, it, at worst case scenario, you could flip these guys for something good. You could put them as part of a package for something good if you need to. Oh, no. I want him to come over. I, I want him to come over too, but I don't know. Once he comes over, that's it, right? Well, either he's going to be a good player or he's going to be a bad player. <laughs> and then, no, and then at that point, a- I, I, at that point, like if if his if his talent don't translate, you were better off trading him while he was overseas. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think his talent will translate, but he's a crafty, crafty <sighs> player. I I, I want to see, crafty. I I, I want to see him. But again, we've got a lot of good players already on this team, and that's not until we make some trades. That's not changing. So it, it's very hard for me to see Broke is having a role on this team next season, right? Where is he? We can't even find minutes for Deuce, and we're not even playing Kemba Walker. So. And maybe we have find a role for can we find a role for both Deuce and Rokus next season? I don't think well, so. Can we get Burks back to his original role is the first thing. 
Even if I feel we, like the reason we ain't playing Deuce is because Deuce isn't ready. Yeah. If Deuce was ready, he'd be playing. And Burks wouldn't need to start at point guard. I agree. So I I but I'm I hoping I don't that, think you know what I'm saying that Tibbs can see something in Rokas to say that, oh, he's actually better than a lot of the options we have in this rotation. We see him what he's doing overseas. He don't have to interrupt this season's rotation because the season's almost over. But have him come over here this summer. Let's work with him. Let's see what he could do with these guys. Have him do a little over over the summer workouts with the guys, do some scrimmages. And if you could see some over the summer and you and you feel like Rokas deserves a, a spot in this rotation, have him come over and then make them some decisions in the front office, make a trade, make a something, buy somebody out if you have to. I'm looking forward but to... He's too good to just let him not come over at all and go to another team and be an asset for another team. He's too good for that. I'm, I'm not I'm, saying he's going to be a superstar, but he's good. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to... I'm excited to see what we're going to do in the offseason. I, I want to see... I, I want to see what the Knicks do in the games for the rest of this year, but for me, the season's kind of already done. I want to see what they do in this for this draft. I want to see what their plans are. And I want to see what they do in the off season. All right. We've talked long enough. Let's get into predictions. Yeah. Last week you predicted that the Knicks would go two and one. So you go first this week. Why do I go first? You predicted two and one. And hey. we won. Cute Wizards and Portland. And we lost to Brooklyn. I was trying to get you to say um, I correctly predicted two and one. And that's why. You, you predicted <laughs> <laughs> the Knicks play Utah, Atlanta, Charlotte, and Miami this week. So what do you got us going? So I, I got us going two and two this week. Hopefully Which I'm wrong. Hopefully we can go more than that. But uh, Let's go down the line. Utah. We're losing. Atlanta. We're winning. Charlotte. We're winning. Miami. We're losing. We're losing. Yeah, I, I, that's how I would have gone had I gone, gone first. But since you making me, you know what I'm saying? I ain't going for the 3-1. You're getting smoked. We're not beating Miami, first of all, unless there's a huge injury that, God forbid, happens. Utah. Is a possible win? Possible. They're they're not playing great right now. We're playing at home, right? But they're still it's a better team. Game. But they're a better team. I'll they let you Donovan know. Mitchell back. So I'm going to go with Utah for that game. Atlanta, I think we could beat them. Uh, Charlotte, I think we have not proved the ability to beat so far this season. We haven't beaten them yet, right? Miami? No, Charlotte. Charlotte? We never beat we, yeah, we ain't beat Charlotte this year. So that's gonna be another loss. And you're Miami, giving me a lot of I'll stuff go. to look up. <laughs> no, nah, you ain't gotta look it up. It's all like I know we ain't beat Charlotte this year because I I feel like I remember every win. But maybe maybe we did, but I don't think we did. Miami, we not gonna beat. We 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 could watch that game, but the best intentions we know there's certain teams that just outmatch us 
and it's just not going to happen. So that's my prediction. One and three for the week. And before we sign out, I promised y'all some recommendations this week, right? (laughs) But here's my dilemma. I hate giving recommendations for things that I think everyone has probably seen. And I don't want to give a recommendation for something I haven't seen or something that's just okay. I want you to be enjoying to the level of enjoyment that I enjoy something, if that's even a phrase. Like, you know what I'm saying? I I, want to watch something that's really good. So this week, all I've really been watching is The Wire, which I know most people have probably seen. But if you haven't seen it, you could go and check that out and you say that you Chuck, you you checked it out because you got the recommendation from French and the Mixtape Podcast. But if you have seen it already, go back and watch it again. You can. It has the re the replay value is there for the wire. I promise you, you're going to see things you never seen before, have different perspectives, characters that you might have loved before. You start looking at them different. Like now that I'm older, I don't really know if I like Marlo like 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 that. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I kind of I used to love Stringer Bell, but now that I, I'm like, I don't really know if I if I had to listen to Stringer Bell. Maybe Avon was right after all. <laughs> so, you know, like, it's, it's a, you go back and watch the show. It's a really good watch. And the other thing that I've also been watching this week is the Boondocks, which is something I think most people have probably seen before that from who I speak with. I could be completely wrong. I feel like everyone's seen the Boondocks. But they're both on HBO Max. The Boondocks is a little animated cartoon show that isn't really based for children. It's for adults. It used to be on Adult Swim. You you like the Boondocks. You could probably explain it a lot better than I could because you used to read the comics and, comics and stuff, right? Yeah, the Boondocks started off as a newspaper comic strip. One of my favorite comic strips, actually. When I used to buy newspapers just so I could see what Aaron Magruder, who is the creator of the boondocks, what what he was going to pass off in the newspapers today. And basically it's the comics were based around Huey Freeman, a, a young black kid, socially conscious. And it revolved around him and his family. He had a brother named Riley, a younger brother named Riley. They were being raised by their granddad. And just a lot of comedic and socially conscious you know themes were were put in the comic book and he translated that into the TV show first two seasons of Boondocks some of the greatest television that I've watched I don't remember season 3 being that great I believe there's a fourth season I haven't watched it but you know yeah, I'm, I'm down with that recommendation. I'm I'm gonna watch. I'm I'm gonna watch season three and four. I remember season three was like the season that came back after like seven years, right? Yeah, it was. I think a, it I was a few episodes of those. No, it was what? No, no I I was agreeing with you. I think it was that long. Yeah, I remember in the time I watched it, and I was like, eh, the voices were different for some of the characters. I didn't really connect with the show like how I used to, but there were a few episodes that were kind of funny and I don't think I watched season four, but I've been watching season one and two and it's, it's, it's been pretty funny. Like I thought it was going to be one of those shows that you go back to after years, 
and be like, oh, this was funny back then, but it ain't really funny today. Nah, it's, it's still pretty funny. So those are my two recommendations. You got any anything you want to plug before we get out of here? So for those of you who already watched The Wire, already watched The Boondocks, and were looking for something that maybe you have never seen before, you can always count on good old Ja to plug some anime for you. <laughs> so I don't think I've plugged this show before but I'm going to plug another one if if I if I already have afterward Attack on Titan if you are interested in sh- very adult anime TV series Attack on Titan is on Netflix on Netflix it's a good show I've read the manga I know what's going to happen it's in its final season, the anime. It is basically a story about people who've been exiled to an island who are under constant threat by these gigantic beings who look like just overgrown human beings. And their only role in life is to chase you down and eat you (laughs) or just kill you. Right. Because they don't, they don't eat you because they're hungry. They, their mentality is just to destroy. And just like how roaches view humans. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) So they don't, they don't talk. Most of them don't talk. Most of them don't uh, don't do anything. And all of these people are behind this gigantic wall that's supposed to keep these gigantic beings out. One day, the these beings knock the wall, knock all in the wall, and start invading this place. And this whole series is about where these beings came from. Who are they? What? How did this come to be? And it's a very interesting show. I, I think most people would like it. You'll get into it. You're, it starts off with you asking questions, and by the end, most of those questions are answered, just like most good shows do. If I have recommended Attack on Titan before, there's a new show that I've just started watching that I know I haven't recommended. It's called Jujutsu Kaisen. The reason I started watching this show, I don't know if any of you guys have noticed, but there's a lot of anime that have been coming to movie theaters recently a show that i recommended earlier demon slayer went to the movies i saw that i liked it It was pretty good there's another show that's i'm blanking on on the name of it now that i believe they have a movie out right now jujutsu kaisen also has a movie out right now jujutsu kaisen zero which serves as a prequel to the show I haven't seen that movie, but I've started watching the show. It's about this kid who sees his kid, his friends being attacked by some being. He can't really sense it or see it. These beings are called curses. They're basically demons, right? They might be demons, but they're curses. And he's put into a position where he has to figure out how can he help. There's a there's a, a 
uh, Jujutsu. I don't even remember what the what, what what their title is, but there's another character who's there to save his friends, but he gets in a little bit of trouble. And this character, the main character, the only way that you can really fight off curses is by ingesting a curse yourself. So he ingests a curse and then he gains powers. And yeah, I don't know if I sold any of you on this show, but it's actually a pretty interesting show. So check that out, Jujutsu Kaisen. I I, I think there's only one season out right now. or There might be more than one season, but so far I'm watching it. I'm interested. It's pretty good. I recommend it. Yeah, I've been getting Attack on Titan recommendations for like years, and I have it like in my watch later list on uh, Netflix, along with Demon Slayer and all the other good anime recommendations. I, 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 I'll add this next one to the yeah. to the watch later. Attack, is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix. It's it might be on Hulu. It's Not definitely Attack on Titan. I'm talking about Jujutsu. Oh, Jujutsu Kaisen. I don't know. I, I've been watching it on Crunchyroll. I'm sure it's somewhere else because it is one of the more popular animes, especially, you know, you, you know it's popular if they got a film for it. So I, I will check out to see. I could probably just look it up right now. But Jujutsu Kaisen, yeah, that's a, that's a, that, I, I recommend it. Like, it's a, it's another one of those adult adult films, or excuse me, adult TV shows, adult animes that uh, definitely don't watch with your kids because there are blood, there is blood, there is, you know, killing, there is stuff like that. But it's of the two, if on HBO, it's on HBO max. Yeah. It, it's also, I, I don't, I can't tell. It might, it might be only in Japan, Netflix, but okay. It's on HBO max. So you can go check it out on HBO max. If you're looking for maybe the less adult show between the two, the less adult show is as far as like, okay, which one has less blood? Jujutsu Kaisen has less blood. Attack on Titan, let me just say, you can't get away with this. Like they couldn't make a, can't make a live action thing because yeah, you will see one of these beings, these titans, which is what they're called, pick up a person and bite their head off. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. So, but they're both really good shows. Also, for viewer discretion, The Wire and The Boondocks, if you have not seen either of them, you probably shouldn't watch with your kids either. Right. Just saying. Very adult shows, all of these. Very adult, yeah. All right. Ready to sign off, French? I'm ready to sign ready off. Ready to go. Yeah, I know you are. all right y'all once again we appreciate y'all we love y'all make sure to subscribe make sure to like make sure to do all that good ish all right thank you once again for listening to the mixtape podcast the mixtape the mixtape the mixtape the mixtape podcast all right take it easy peace That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.